welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and special co-host, Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Santa Rosa, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, bringing us today's topic on her new book, The Art of Making Mojos. Once again, and then uh, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjurman Ali and Miss Elvira. Conjurman Ali? Thanks, Papa Newt, for that wonderful introduction. Uh, Miss Cat was just mentioning that you were actually in Forestville as you do this uh, intro. I'm assuming for uh, the apprenticeship and for the upcoming Hoodoo Heritage Festival. How exciting! You have a the gathering has begun, so to speak, in in Forestville, and I am <laughs> horribly jealous, missing it all out. Um, but I'll be there uh, in spirit. We have a super, super exciting show for everyone today, um, and I'm, not, I'm going to keep the intros as short as possible. We're just going to check in with Ms. Alvaro before we bring in our guest, but we are very excited to have Miss Kat as actually our guest. We don't very often get this kind of rare opportunity to, to talk to Miss Kat as, as a guest. She's busy hosting on the show, but we get an opportunity to speak to Miss Kat, uh, pick her brain a little bit, and specifically pick her brain as an author about her upcoming book, this really exciting book, The Art of Making Mojo. So we are really in for a treat. Um, I can tell you that uh, I've looked at the, just the, the overview of what the book is going to contain, and wow, does it look exciting. So we are definitely in for a treat, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. But before we bring on uh, Ms. Kat, let's check in with Ms. Alvara. Ms. Alvara, welcome. Thank you for stepping in and filling in the shoes of, of Ms. Kat as co-host. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing very fine. Uh, I'm actually uh, rather excited to do a role reversal here. Usually I'm the guest, and you know, we're doing that. Or on my own radio show, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, I have a co-hostess, and I was, you know, I even mentioned um, I was a little bit shocked about what I was doing because I'm so accustomed to doing it according to what our show set up. So I'm excited. I'm really excited about the book and, and doing this this. Uh, panel discussion. Yeah, it's it's definitely a change for us all, um, but we're we're very excited about that. So let's uh, uh, introduce uh, Miss Cat. Uh, obviously, or at least I would hope that everyone who is listening to the sound of my voice knows who Miss Cat is to some way, shape, or form or degree. But if you are new to the show, Miss Cat is the usual co-host of the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour, the proprietress of the Lucky Mojo, the spiritual supply shop in Forestville, California, a 
brilliant author um, on all things uh, folk magic and hoodoo-related, the teacher of the hoodoo correspondence course, um, and author of several of of probably all of our favorite books from uh, the hoodoo urban root magic book, often called colloquially as the Green Bible, our (laughs) go-to kind of uh, resource for all things magica materia. Um, she's also written on the art of candle magic. She's also written on um, bone reading. And, and I can quite confidently say this as a person who kind of looks at folk magic traditions from also an academic uh, perspective, not just as a practitioner, that she is one of the people who popularized uh, bone readings uh, once more. Not that she invented them, but certainly brought them back into the sort of consciousness of, of diviners and readers. Um, so we are very excited to have her. Welcome, Miss Kat. Uh, welcome to being a guest on your own show. Well, thank you for having me. That's very kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, ask, let's start off with talking uh, a little bit about your book, The Art of um, Making Mojos. Uh, what led you to write this book, and what can people expect to find in it? Well, I'm glad you asked that because there's an introduction to this book that mm. I had to discard. I, it was too long, and um, it was the introduction. I don't know if I'll, I'm, if I'll ever publish it, but it was an introduction that explained why I was doing this book. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up putting in more mojos, and I took the introduction out. <laughs> so I'll give you a brief synopsis. When I was a kid, uh, my mother was a librarian, and she couldn't always afford a babysitter, and so um, if she was working down, like, say, at UCLA on Saturday, she'd have me come down with her, and I was a quiet, well-behaved child, and I could work in the library. And she taught me about cataloging books. And one of the things mm. that she was doing was collecting early California imprint cookbooks, all before 1932. And uh, she was making a collection, which she then sold to UCLA, where the collection still resides. And she explained to me that there were several types of cookbooks. And um, one type of cookbook is based on ingredients. And we used to laugh about the titles of these old books, but it was called like A 1,000 Ways to Serve Eggs. So that's it. You know, that's uh, just based on ingredients. And another kind of cookbook might be a cookbook um, about a location or a region. You know, how we cook in Wairika, right? And it's just Wairika, California, and that's how they cook there. Mm-hmm. And another uh, might be based on your situation or condition. A cookbook such as um, 10-Minute Meals. Your condition is that you're in a hurry, right? You've got to make 10-minute meals, right? And another might be based around a certain personality. You know, um, the Del Monte Chef's Cookbook. That's the personality, you know, Wolfgang Puck or whatever, the personality. Mm -hmm. So she showed me this, and I began to realize as we were publishing books on hoodoo, that they are uh, exactly the same <laughs> as cookbooks in the sense that you can organize them according to what the situations, what the ingredients, and so forth. So we've done some ingredient books, Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, for instance, Hoodoo Honey and Sugar Spells, right? Those are according to ingredients. We've some according to locations, like Trolldom, Swedish and Norwegian uh, magic, or North Asian magic, you know, those things are according to location. Some of them are according to situation, like Deliverance, that's Uncrossing Spells, or the upcoming book, Cashbox Conjure, by Miss Phoenix LeFay, who's Elvira's co-host on their show. That's on 
uh, money spells, right? And um, there also are uh, spells based around books based around um, individual personalities, but we don't publish those actually. We do compilations like the Black Folder, and that's another kind of cookbook too. It's just a compilation. We also do divination books, but this isn't one of those. So the art of making mojos, I actually in my introduction I said this is like one thousand ways to cook eggs. <laughs> it's, it is a it is a book. Of, it doesn't have a thousand, but it's it's over a hundred. I could have called it one hundred mojos. And these are recipes, all of which are mojos, but the conditions for which they apply vary. So inside the book there are chapters, mojos for money, mojos for love, mojos for protection, mojos for healing, and so forth. The ingredients are laid out according to the condition. You know, you're not going to be putting steak in your creme brulee. You know, I mean, the ingredients Mm, kind of go with the condition. It's an entree. You might have a meat or you might have, uh, you know, some carbs in your entree. And your dessert might have a sweet. So we we break them out the same way. I, at least I break them out the same way. So the art of making mojos grew out of this idea of cookbooks. And mm. people often <clears throat> use the term cookbooks very condemnatorily when they speak of a grimoire. A grimoire means, yeah. a, you know, a, a magical book, a schwarzkund mm-hmm. book, which is what they would call it in. Scandinavia meaning a black book. <clears throat> and people say, oh, it's just nothing but a cookbook. Well, of course it's nothing but a cookbook. Don't get your mm-hmm. uh, you know, knickers in a twist and don't get yourself so arrogant that you think when you're writing a grimoire, you're not writing a cookbook. You are mm-hmm. writing a cookbook. And like a good cookbook, it should have all the ingredients you need and the handling. Now, mojos are all pretty much handled according to one kind of um, methodology. They're contained in something, and that something that they're contained in is usually flexible and not rigid, although it might be rigid. You could put them in a pillbox or in a mm. in a locket, um, but you could put them in leather, you could put them in cloth. You know, there's many things. You can put them in any kind of cont- paper. You can make a paper mojo, and you can make little packets. You can put them in people's clothing, whatever. Those are all different types of mojos. So what we're talking about is um, not so much a, a list of ingredients as we are talking mm-hmm. about a method of preparation. And um, But so the beginning of the book, I talk about all these different methods of, you know, like leather and cloth and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then mm-hmm. there comes the ingredients. And that, that's just a page after page of Mojo Hand. Now, I don't want to disappoint anybody. And i got to say this right up front. Some of these you will have seen before because they might be in Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, or they might be Mm. in Paper in My Shoe. Of course, um, I'm not going to make up 100 new mojos when I've already made up already, you know, 70 of them that I've already um, uh, collected from other people or or, uh, made on my own. So for those who want this book to be 100% original, it's not. Don't, Don't get disappointed. But what it is is all the mojos in one place. So you don't have to say, um, gee, I've got bayberry. What do I do with bayberry? You can go, gee, I want a money mojo. Oh, look, here's one with bayberry. So it's just a different Mm. way of cataloging or categorizing some of the same information. Plus there are things that have never appeared in print. There are many new ones just to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of keep people on their toes. But there are, I, I would say that a good part of this book has been in print not as, but you know, there are folks who never would want to read Hoodoo Urban Root Magic. They just want to make a mojo. There are people mm. 
who never would read Cashbox Conjure, but they want a money mojo. So I, I right. credited and borrowed one from Phoenix. So that's how the book works. It is to get this all in one place. I realized when doing it, this book could have been twice as long. I have many, many, many more recipes for mojos, but this is what we got, 100 of them, 130 of them. <laughs> so could a, a beginner, uh, you know, pick this book up and learn how to make mojos where, or they need some type of prerequisite knowledge? Like is this, if they pick up this book, are they ready to go and dive into no. the actual <laughs> art? Okay. No. This is like um, when we're talking about instruction manuals. I don't know if you're probably all too young to remember, but there used to be a kind of a Volkswagen that was sort of a little rounded-shaped Volkswagen. It was called the Volkswagen Beetle. And um, everybody – you you remember that, Elvira? Right, okay. Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And – and there was a – everybody had them because they were cheap. They were easy to run and so forth. There was a book that came out. It was called the VW Owner's Manual. But it was this handmade hippie book, and it had a picture of a beetle on it. It was all hand-lettered, and it was real cool on the cover. Everybody bought a beetle, and they bought that book, and they thought, okay, now I can run my, my Volkswagen Beetle. Most of the time you could. I mean, you know, you really – it was like written at mm-hmm. a very basic level. This book is written at a basic level. However – it also contains a, a section that says, don't think you can just take this book and start making mojos. I really, and I'm not doing this to try to sell my own products or to sell the products of my fellow root workers. I recommend that you buy one mojo, two mojos, three mojos, mm. at least before you make your own. Because it's like saying, I could, I could buy um, Hire's root beer syrup, and it comes with instructions on how to make root beer. Right, It's right there, and you can make your own root beer. But mm-hmm. what if I've never tasted root beer before? Now what am I going to uh, do? Yeah, do I know I'm doing it right? Yeah. So yeah. I tell people, yeah, buy this book. And, and there are going to, of course, people will say, oh, it's a beginner level. I can do it. I can do it. Some of them are going to screw up. Not my fault. Mm-hmm. I did the best mm-hmm. I could. But it does say, I think you should know what a mojo is first. Mm-hmm. But you don't need any prerequisites except for having seen a mojo. Well, since everybody mm. keeps their mojo hid, you ain't going to see them unless you buy one, right? Because no one's <laughs> going to show you yeah. their mojo. <laughs> you know, I was uh, before I, we let Miss Elvira jump in and, and with, with a question of her own. I was just in the chat, just mentioned real briefly. I would think that Hoodoo Urban Root Magic with Art of Candle Magic and Art of Making Mojos would be a really great kind of three-part kind of a trinity of books to pick up and really get a foundation for uh, root work, for how to really do root work. You have your resource on the magic of materia, and you have two of the most important ways of actually doing root work: candle magic. Mojo bags. You got those three books, and you've got a really good foundation. Well, thank you. I also think that paper in my shoe, although it's not called the oh, art, yeah. goes with those. Um, yeah, these are what I'm trying. That to would do be the pillars three. then, from from Trinity to pillars. Yeah, the three right? pillars. Yeah, right. I'm trying to do these very foundational books, um, uh-huh. and um, and most of the books on a given condition or subject are written by somebody else, like Cashbox Conjure. And like mm-hmm. destroying relationships by Miss Aida or cursing mm. and crossing, they and deliverance. See, this is hey, I'm an editor as well as a writer. This is a theory. You see, if they mm-hmm. take the conditions, I will do the foundational work. Mm. So, You'll do the method, yeah. so to speak. Methods, yeah, that's that's me. Yeah. I mean, I could do the, you know, but if you look at like um, Deacon Millet did Return and Reconciliation. You see, now he did one of the foundational ones, sugar and honey spells, and Aura did one of the foundational ones, Hoodoo spiritual baths. But generally speaking, I'm writing those. 
just you know mm. because that's what I do. But that's a good point. It's a very you, you you've made a good point, and uh, I really um, I have to thank Gray for the title of this. I was not going to call it the art of making mojos, um, but he was impatient to get started on the cover art, and he just comped that in. I had no title. <laughs> Oh, wow. mm. and I, went, I went, okay, As you, you, you comped it in, it looks beautiful, it's a title, okay. So that wasn't what I was, I had a, I was just um, twisting myself in circles trying to come up with a title for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I can see where there could be a really interesting marketing thing, like, you know, they do gift packages or special, you know, you get this with these two things and you can do your, your HH, uh, well, the Hoodoo uh <clears throat> urban uh, magic and uh, materia, mm-hmm. and then you can do the others as a complement and market it, like package it that way. I know individually they're wonderful because I deal with them on my hourly with you in, in the in the mm-hmm. actual Lucky Mojo, but I could actually see how you could market it by putting it all together in this little gift package thing. Well, that's kind of where we're going, Elvira. See, we now have almost enough divination books to make a divination package, right? And then we're going to have Good. like a, you know, mm. we're going to have the conditions package, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a few still to go. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple more, mm-hmm. couple more years. But yeah, you, y'all are looking at my, uh, you're looking at my brain there. <laughs> hey, I'm psychic. Oh. Remember? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, but I actually do have a, a question that would be nice: is that you do use um, different names for the mm-hmm. actual mojo and you've you've talked about them as Grigris and Tobies and uh trick bags. Could you give mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a like an expose on some of those names so we could get an idea? I know that some of them kind of lead you into different places than they really are. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a fantastic question. Yeah. That's a very, very good question and, and I hate to always start off negative, but I am going to start off negative because that's the way I found it. When I was young, I was told that a gree was something that you could only buy in New Orleans, and it's a gree and it's it's G-R-I-S, like Sam, dash G-R-I-S, and that gree means gray, like the color, gray, gray, and that it's because they are neither white magic nor black magic, but they're gray magic because all magic contains its opposite. And this was actually told to me as the frickin' truth, and I believed oh, wow. it for about, oh, yeah, yeah, this is back in the uh, early 70s. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, maybe even the late 60s. Uh, before 19... Yeah, it was probably the late 60s. Before 1971 when my daughter was born because I was down in New Orleans and I ran into this and I'm like, what the heck? Gray, gray. Oh, it's French. It's Haitian. I mean, and I believed it for all of about, you know, three months until I went back home and got a book on on African languages and culture and I found mm-hmm. out that gris gris is, is just an African word and it means a charm bag. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that is what it means. It just means a charm bag. Mm-hmm. And the the earlier spelling among non-French people was G-R-E-E-G-R-E-E or G-R-I-G-R-I. Now, the ones who spelled it with an S were French, and they owned French Equatorial West Africa. At the time, they were the colonists. Yeah. The ones who spelled it with two E's were the English, and they owned you know British West Africa, which is now Nigeria. And the one who spelled it with an I were the Portuguese because, you know, they just followed their own language's rule set on how to spell this yeah. word, Grigri. So Grigri does not mean something French. It does not mean anything to do with Haitian voodoo. It's nothing like that. It just is the African word from um, 
Inland West Africa, it means a charm bag. Now, there are other words that mean the same thing. Um, one of them is Toby. And Toby is a word that's not as common in America, but when Harry Hyatt interviewed um, 1,600 and some African-American practitioners back in the 30s, he found plenty of people who used the word Toby. And also, there is a recording, a piece of music, in which a woman named Hattie Hart with the Memphis Drug Band, who do our theme song, you know, that we hear every time we have a show, uh, uh, Hattie Hart sings about her Toby. And uh, she doesn't say mojo. So Toby is, I believe, from a Bantu word, Toby, which means a tied-up hunting charm. And um, so Tobies usually turn out in, when people are talking about making a Toby, they're usually trying to get something. It's not just a general wish bag. And um, and it, it would be like to get a husband. And people often mm-hmm. talk about a marriage Toby and a baby Toby. But they also talk about catching a baby, you see. So mm-hmm. you you put the baby, you put that together, and that's going to catch the baby. So that's mm-hmm. a Toby. Then there's Jomo. That's the big mystery word of the of this uh, <laughs> cycle in my life. Jomo sounds like it's Swahili. There was a guy who was the leader of Kenya one point. His name was Jomo Kenyatta. Uh-uh, it's not that word. It's um, it it isn't that word. That word means light, <laughs> like as in sunlight. It's just a sound like word. But Jomo, some people say, oh, Jomo is just another way of saying mojo. But neither Jomo nor mojo have I been able to discover as African words. Mojuba or moyu, those Mm -hmm. are African words that could be related. But a lot of people think, and I'm kind of inclined maybe to read them, mojo is simply a, a slang pronunciation of the word magic. It's a magic bag, mm. mojo bag. Right? But then where does Jomo come from? So, again, I was told, oh, well, Jomo, you know, that is a, that's a way of saying mojos, but so no one will understand it. Well, no one understands what a mojo is anyway, so why would you have to say Jomo? You know what I mean? Who are you hiding it from? You know what I mean? You're hiding right. it from your own people. It makes no sense. If you're hiding it from the white man, well, he doesn't know what a mojo is, so why would you have to call it a Jomo? Um. Also, weirdly, a Jomo sometimes goes by the name of Joe Moore, as in J-O-E and M-O-O-R-E, Joe Moore. And um, so there's a, but there's always a problem in doing transcriptions with the letter R in any southern dialect, whether white or black. Is that a dropped, and sometimes in, in British dialect too, is that a dropped R? Are you intruding an R that shouldn't be there? So hard to say. Jomo is a mystery word. But it could be Joe Moore. It could be Joe Moo. Jumu, uh-huh. sometimes Hyatt spelled it as Jumu. Now, uh-huh. trick bags, uh-huh. that's fascinating to me. That seems to be a literal translation of a Native American, probably Algonquian or Iroquoian language. And trick meaning um, I'm going to do something magical for you, not meaning to um, amaze and fool you, but it's it, it again comes out of translation issues with British colonists who say, well, you're just tricking people. Oh, okay, I'm tricking mm-hmm. them, right? <laughs> but what you're saying is I'm magicking them. And from this come words like trickster gods and trickster spirits and, mm-hmm. uh, and all downstream psychology from there. But trick bag is a, a term, again, that's used in certain areas of the country. And it's most commonly found, if you go back into the 19th century, 
from people who were part Native American, openly part Native American, part African American, and they would say, I'm making a trick bag, which they sometimes called a tricker bag or a tricken with an N on the end, tricken bag. So yeah. those are older terms. And um, I am so obsessed with um, historicity and not faking mm-hmm. it um, that I put in two pages of this book is called 26, 26 songs about mojos and it's just the lyrics <laughs> to songs in chronological order that mention toby's trick bags mojo hands mojo bags and hoodoo bags that's an older term you don't usually hear that anymore people talk about mm-hmm. i'm going to get a hoodoo hand and mm-hmm. uh, meaning it's uh, you know comes out of the hoodoo rootwork tradition so mm. hand is another one. Why do they call them a hand? Well, yeah. it's a handful of things. There is a root mm-hmm. called lucky hand root. There is yeah. people do put finger bones in them. Hand finger bones. So uh-huh. you'll where but, I grew uh, up it was very commonly lots of people use the word hand, but in a variety mm-hmm. of different ways. Mhm. Yeah. So okay. these are these are all terms that are used, and I try to vary them up. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some mojos in this um, book that are very old-fashioned. I'm going to just give you one that's just a, a lovely one where you take um, two of these fish ear bones. Fishes have bones in their ears called lucky rocks mm-hmm. or fish ear rocks or whatever you want to call them, autoliths. And they're like a, they're larger, they're about as big as a dime, and they, but they're split. They look like a half of a split, well, no, they look like a split pea. Two of them put mm-hmm. together would look like a pea. But they're separate in the fish. They're not together. But they're flat on one side and humped on the other side. Fish ear bones. And they're called lucky rocks. In fact, I didn't put it in the book, but Ma Rainey sings a song, I'm going to New Orleans just to find that lucky rock. Um, and these, um, you take a dime. They are the size of a dime. You take a dime between them and you um, put them together. So it makes it look a little sandwich, like a little... Hamburger bun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and uh, and you put uh, you you fill in all around it, and you smush them together with um, soft dupe incense. In fact, the person who told this to Harry Hyatt said, you know, you just use that incense, and meaning um, like Lakshmi dupe, something of like that nature. That's mm-hmm. sticky, gooey uh, dupe incense, and you put in some grains of paradise if you want. You wrap it up, and you and you make two leather discs. And you start by whip-stitching around that leather disc, like halfway. Then you slide this little hamburger bun thing in, and then you finish whip-stitching it. Right? That is a mojo, and one of the oldest, best mojos you can make, but it's not something that people nowadays even think of as a mojo. But, wow. if, you, but if you look at that film, which we've talked about before, from 1935, called Harlem's Black Magic... And there is a guy who has a mojo very similar to that. It's made in the scrotum of a small animal, probably a a small uh, goat or something of that nature, baby goat, you know. And uh, making a mojo in the scrotum of an animal is very old-fashioned. And it's stamped on it with like someone branded it with a piece of hot metal. It says, good luck on it. Good luck, mojo. And, um, And it's... You can see the guy holds it in his hand, and it's leather. So those kinds of things were made even for sale because you wouldn't brand it, you know, Good Luck Mojo, mm-hmm. unless you were actually selling it. Right, that's so, right. Yeah. As, in, as anyone can hopefully tell just by listening to you, that um, you do a lot of, of really in-depth 
thorough, meticulous research. Um, they always say this, and, and, and as any astrologer can point out, the Tauruses make fantastic detectives or fantastic mm-hmm. historians because they're operating in the same thing, right? They're operating mm-hmm. with tracking something down, being meticulous, detailing something. They have that kind of slight obsessive quality where they're able to go, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this for the next, you know, six years. <laughs> so uh-huh. um, you, they can really see that, you, that this isn't just a collection uh, of things you've put together, but you're also doing really great research here. So I want to ask you that as you were putting this book together, whether it was uh, compiling some of the recipes, looking up names, what was it that you came across that you found most interesting or you went, oh, this is, this is fascinating. You can share with us and kind of gives us a little bit of a insight in the, into the kind of strange, weird world of really writing books like this. Well, I'm I'm always uh, one to go back to my old notes from people that I interviewed mm-hmm. a long time ago, and I also go through other anthropological books like Harry Hyatt's books and so forth, yeah. looking for things. But I think the thing that, that was the most exciting to me, and I know this is really sounds kind of nutty, remember I mentioned those lucky rocks, the, the fish ear bones. Yeah. And, um, and I haven't had those in a long time, and I thought, you know, I wonder if anyone still, if you could, Buy them. You have to go pick them up on the. Uh, they're freshwater drumfish. You, you find them all up and down the Mississippi River and uh, the Ohio. You find them up in the Great Lakes. They're, these these fish are all. They're very very common fish, and these little ear bones fall out of their little heads because when people catch them, they chop the head off, throw the head back in the lake or the river, and then the little ear bones, de- everything decays and the little ear bones fall out the back of the head. Trust me, mm-hmm. they float a little. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not float, but they're lighter than the rest of the stones, and they wash up. On little in little eddies, they're hard to find. So I went on eBay and I found a guy who was like a fisherman, and he was selling these damn earbuds. <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> then I thought I'll buy more. He never had any more. Um, oh, it was it. I bought the guy's lifetime supply of of Lucky Rocks. But what got me was then I thought I got to look these up because again, when I was a kid, I was told that these Lucky Rocks that the fish rubbed them together. And this is why these fish are called grunters. They're also called drum fish because they make this boom, booming noise, grunting noise. And I was like, well, you know, they rub these little bones together and they make this noise. Turns out, not true. I believed this for 50 years. It was false. They make the grunting noise with their with their swim bladder. They don't rub the ear bones together. Um, and I found a YouTube video of, like, how to chop their heads off and get the ear bones. <laughs> See, oh my that's God. going down the rabbit hole like, research. Holy shit. And the guy is like, this guy's going, you put the knife here and you cut it. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was disillusioned of something I had really believed for 50 years that those fish took those two little ear bones and rubbed them together somehow and made a sound like a cricket might. But no, it has nothing to do with that sound. So oh, wow. they're, also called, they're also called croaker fish because it's kind of croaking sound. Uh-huh, anyway, uh-huh. so that was the most, wow, to me, that, I know, that was the most fascinating thing in the world. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I never knew. I thought the croaker fish rubbed their ear bones together. That is fascinating. <laughs> but, you know, it, all, it really speaks to, to the fact that when you do stuff like this, you end up doing all sorts of fascinating 
research and you find out all sorts of interesting stuff. But also I think um, you come across stuff like that you mentioned in the, this kind of lucky stone that's fallen out. That happens in Hoodoo, right? Because Hoodoo is a living tradition. Mm-hmm. There are things that remain popular, things that fall out of popularity, things that just completely mm-hmm. get forgotten. And like when you mentioned that, that mojo hand with this this lucky you know this lucky stone and then the dime mm-hmm. and then sewing the leather mm-hmm. and I'm going I wonder how many other things you know that people did and practiced and was their go to charm that people don't even think about today. You know this is a you you've really hit on something here and this is one reason I wanted to do this book was I wanted to show the yeah. wide dimension of these. Um, you know, we run a thing called the Lucky Mojo Forum. And in mm-hmm. the forum, people say, I want to make a mojo, and this is what I'm going to put in. They put it, they, you know, uh, just to this morning, woke up, lady wants to make a mojo to attract people to her social media platform. And she's going to put in peony root, and she's going to put in five-finger grass, and she's got like two other things, but no lodestones. And I'm, yeah. she's like, is this good? And I'm like, no, you have no lodestones. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You're going to attract people, you got no lodestones. So... There are basics that are, I mean, I could have said, oh, yeah, fine, sweetie, just do what you like, honey. But I didn't. I had to take the time to explain to her that, no, you're not really grounded yet. You're not really in the tradition yet. And mm-hmm. I, I know the the woman means well, and she's very intelligent and a, and a very enthusiastic person. But we got to always kind of bring it back to the roots again. I, yeah. In fact, there's a whole section of the book, which is, again, one of these ingredients things, called double lodestone mojos. And these are only mojos that are made with two lodestones as opposed to those made mm. with one, right? Okay. And another okay. section is called bed packets because bed packets are a whole other kind of mojo, right? That's true. And yeah. and mm-hmm. people don't even know about bed packets anymore. They're all like, well, I got my red flannel mojo and I got my mojo working. <laughs> but bed packets are a kind of mojo, right? Right. So... Right. Yeah. So those are the the things that are to me very important to um bring into this book is uh the wider range. And so yes, I think bed packets have been in danger of being lost. I certainly think that some of these hand-sewn ones in leather, um yeah. some of these little packets with grains of paradise with crocheted. I mean I talk about crocheted edges. People don't even think about crocheted edges anymore. Yeah. You know. And materials they don't, they just too, don't as do you it. mentioned, right? Like Lodestones, like, like there, it's it's. I've noticed, and it, it, it really kind of speaks to what you're saying. But there are people who even ingredient wise, there are things that they don't even consider part of mojos. It's like minerals and bones and that type of stuff, animal cures, mm-hmm. and 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 definitely minerals, right? People, for whatever reason, they think of mojo bags as herb bundles, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they can be that, but it, they're so more, they're so much more diverse than that. And like lodestones, right. the, the, there's a lot of times where clients just they have never lodestone in a mojo bag, really, and I'm like, yes. Right, right. Well, in the in the uh, chat room, Alchemical Artists Hour asked, "What about nation sacks?" And yes, mm. there um, uh, there are several pages on nation sacks, and also there's a page on jack balls as well. And um, uh, Lucky Mojo Curio in the chat room asked about personal concerns. Yes, there's uh, stuff about personal concerns. Again. This is not an entry-level book. If I say get get your ten fingernails, I'm not going to tell you how to get the ten fingernails. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you have to have some basis to understand why would you want someone's fingernails as opposed to their toenails, or why would you want both? 
You'd want their fingernails so that they would uh, work for you, you know, be a good right. married partner and, and, and bring you all their money. and stuff. You'd want their toenails so that you would, could control their coming and going and they would never leave you. You know, everyone's down to, oh, well, I got a hair. No, 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 it's not about hair. I've got DNA on, you know, no, it's not about DNA. It's about what no, those yeah. personal concerns represent. For instance, sewing a mojo in someone's clothing, you know, you can um, uh, cut a piece out of someone's uh, shirt tail. You don't want to cut it out of their shirt um, sleeve. That's not intimate enough. But if you can get someone's shirt and their shirt tail, which they tuck down into their pants, if it was a guy, for instance, and you want to get one, make a mojo out of that shirt tail, see? Or if you can't get their underwear, or there's a there's a description in how to make a mojo in in underwear. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Ooh, that's that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. those are the yeah those are the kinds of things I try to get into in this book. There, um, uh, Shiva mentioned in the chat room the black folder. There is a very good article on making mojos in the black folder by um, Eddie Gutierrez and mm-hmm. um, doc, Dr. E, the late Dr. E. And he talks about his way of making mojos, which is not mine, or I would have you know, copied it, but I didn't. It's his way. It's his way. But he has yeah. a way of praying over them and stuff. I kind of refer you to that. Go look at that if you want to see mm-hmm. his system. But my system is a little different. Well, there's our music. Well, thank you for... for taking the time and talking to us about uh, this book. It sounds so exciting. I can already see in my head my recommendation. It's going to be pick up the Hoodoo Urban Root Magic, pick up the Art of Candle Magic, Paper My Shoe, pick up and, and uh, the Art of Making Mojo Bags. That is your pillars. The pillars by <laughs> which you can start to actually do Hoodoo for yourself. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this, and as a fellow Taurus, you know, I love making things with my hands. So I am excited. Thank you, Ms. Kat. Um, this was Thank really a, a brilliant, brilliant treat. We're going to hand this over to Papa Newt, who's going to lead us on to our next segment, and we're going to have Ms. Kat stick around and do some uh, readings and root work for us. So take it away, Papa Newt. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Conjurman Ali, and special co-host, Miss Elvira, and this week's special guest, Catherine Ironwood, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818 If you filled out a client questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Papa Newt, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. And our first caller is calling in from area code 910 in Connecticut. This is Charlie. Charlie, are you there? Oh, hello, Charlie. Charlie just dropped off. Let me see if I can find him again. Hold on a moment. Oh, my, okay. There. Well, while we wait for that, maybe uh, you can read his uh, description. Certainly. And hey there, Charlie. Hello? All right, welcome Ah, oh, there we are. <laughs> Good. All right, Charlie, welcome back. I see that you've been on the radio show back in 2013, um, and you're calling in on a completely new situation. Is that correct? Uh, it is, yes. All right, 
Thank you. And let's take a look here. Uh, Charlie writes, my partner and I had a falling out and separated the weekend of my seminary orientation, causing my religious superiors in North Carolina to cancel my sponsorship. Even though my spouse and I have since reconciled, we're still having a very hard time finding, a house, uh, finding housing together. I need help to determine what to do next and how to find uh, a place before my service program with the house ends in June. Turn it back to you, Countryman Ali. Thank you, uh, Papa Newt. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm a guest, but I'm going to break in. Is this Charlie the person I think it is? Yes, it is, Miss Cat. How are you? (laughs) Hi. Okay. Just saying. Okay, hi. Did you recognize from the the voice or from, from the scenario? Um, the scenario, this is the Charlie oh, okay. who was in our forum and was having difficulty in seminary. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. This, uh, the situation does sound familiar to something I've been Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't this have is, your memory. <laughs> that was very no, impressive. Well, I, how, many, how many people do we know who are in seminary? I'm glad to hear from you, <laughs> Charlie. Now I'll butt out and get, Ollie can take it away. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, yes, Abscultus. His name was Abscultus. <laughs> oh yes, I, yeah. I remember that name. That makes yes, yes. thank you. That that brought it all and clicked it all for me. <laughs> um, all right, wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you uh, on the show. I'm very excited to read for you. Um, I'm going to ask a couple questions, and then we're going to turn this over to Miss Alvaro, who's stepping in for Miss Cat. Is going to do your first reading. Then Miss Cat is going to come into your second reading, and I will give you some root work recommendations. So first, if you can tell me what your sign of the zodiac is. Uh, I'm a sun sign, Virgo, moon sign, Aquarius. Okay, wonderful. And your partner? Uh, My partner is a Capricorn uh, sun sign and a moon sign, Pisces. Ah, okay, wonderful. We're going to turn this over to Ms. Alvira and see what the cards tell her. Okay. So, Ms. Alvira. Charlie, it's nice to to talk with you on uh, the air and obviously a couple of questions uh, you're looking for a place uh, to live, and is this in uh, Connecticut or North Carolina? Uh, it's in Connecticut. Um, I got accepted into Yale Divinity School, which is really exciting. Mhm, mhm. Okay. All right. And so you're finding a hard. Is it hard because of the the fact that there is a lot of um, the area is populated and already, like here out in California, we're, you know, overloaded with high prices and, and minimal places these days. Is that the issue? Uh, the biggest issue is, and I'll keep it really short, um, my husband and I are living separately right now uh, from mm-hmm. when we separated back in August. I'm living with six other people in a volunteer service corps um, connected to the church, and uh, they are very opposed to the fact that my husband and I have reconciled and mm-hmm, called an mm-hmm. issue for me living there. So we're hoping to find a place together now okay. uh, as soon as possible. Okay. So I'm basically just going to get my cards kind of woke up here since they thought they were on hiatus for a day and not necessarily had that happen. Uh, okay. So interesting enough, the first card that I pick is the card, the Hierophant 
which in reality is the traditional um, aspect of spiritual mm. traditions, religious traditions, and the world, which um, in this instance is Capricorn, which obviously is your is your spouse, and the, the strength card being um, the Leo card. And what I'm feeling here is that the condition that I'm seeing is um, – one that can actually be rectified and worked on because the Leo card also has a woman with a lion leaning against her and very kind of easy and like schmoozing. And I feel that with the energies that you've just acquired in terms of a um, being accepted at Yale, I think this is an opening. And the, the world is the dance. It's the dance of life as much as it is the Capricornian card. And I have the king and queen of pentacles. So it's where you're going to find a new location is going to be with an older man and older woman. They're basically either they're going to be the landlords or they're going to be the apartment uh, managers. Uh, they're very... Um, they're very solid, but they're not rigid. I get the feeling that with the, the strength card, it's going to show they have a mutability. I feel that if you do some magic, which, again, um, we have some very uh, capable people that are going to help you with that, with the magician coming in, you set boundaries as to where you contend your energy pattern is, like your home. You create something with that. And then I believe you will manifest it within a um, one. I've got a, you know I tend to go with cycles instead of months, but you've got the Ace of Cups. So I feel the Ace of Cups brings in exactly what you're looking for. You may have suffered some defeat as you know uh, in the interim with where you are, but um, I honestly feel this can come in within one season, literally the spring season. So. Let's see what Miss Cat has to to go with this. Thank you so much. All right, all right. Well, the first card I have is the Two of Cups, and this is the card of True Love, and um, and this is a card that is recognizes two people who um, belong together. In the distance behind them is a little cottage, but there is a double line drawn between them. They're not in nature, they're on a stage. And that little house is their dream, what they hope for, their little cottage. There is um, uh, a symbol between them that looks like the caduceus of Mercury, and so we're not going to get anything until Mercury goes direct and we're all all better with Mercury. We've got to get a good Mercury thing going on. And we also have a lion's head with wings, which relates to what Elvira had with the strength card, which also has a lion. So somehow lions have appeared now twice, and um, or Leo, and we might um, want to be on the lookout for a place that has a manager, landlord, whatever, that's a Leo, or that is, you know, Leo Court or Leo Drive or something that relates to this um, kingship or rulership that one identifies with lions. It's a very good card. It says that your reconciliation between the two of you is very well-founded, and you should not let your six other roommates interfere in your life at all because the two of you really do belong together. Um, the next uh, card I have is the card of justice. So this is a, a card that shows that legal papers will need to be signed. It it says that 
balance will be restored. It's a very positive card. So um, don't try to go beyond your means. Just try to live in a balanced situation. Um, it is associated with the sign Libra and beauty, but it is also really about um, accuracy in justice. So whatever you are going to do here, um, I, I would say, like I said, this card always says, sign a lease, not a rental agreement, because justice says your name will be required on a piece of paper. If you can't afford to buy, and if your choice had been, if you had come to me and said, should I buy or rent, I would say buy, but in this case, I would say at least lease. Uh, you want to have something fairly permanent, and it, it's a good, uh, very good card. And um, the third uh, card I have is a card called the Helper Knight or the Knight of Wands. And this says that there is somebody uh, who will be of assistance to you. The Helper Knight is a person who comes back, uh, literally back from the future. They're a person who's been where you are now, and they want to help you. They, they're they're a, an ally, and they they might be someone, because the pyramids are behind them, we sometimes say, oh, they might be someone Middle Eastern, but not necessarily. They are somebody who has been where you are, who wants to help, who is um, very sympathetic to your cause. So I don't see any um, a problem either. I, I see that um, getting this house is pretty well a done deal um, and that um, what what you really are going to just need is to hook up with the right person. And um, so when we talk about um, how that you know is going to be done, how you're going to be doing that hookup, I would say that um, given the cards here, you're going to get some root work advice, but I look at these cards as also containing some symbolism that you might want to think about. Um, people, when they're looking for a place to live, often don't consider that places have names. And I don't know. Yes. You know congratulations, by the way, being accepted at Yale. That's spectacular. But, um, Thank you so much. So you, yeah, you, you, but you think about these words like there's a knight, there's a horse, there's this um, this lion. And Think about those words and what they make you think of. There may be a part of town. There may be some streets in town that you might want to focus on that have those words or names. Or all of a sudden a realtor may show up and maybe his name is Leo Knightbridge. You know, and you go, oh, well, there's my man, right? Um, <laughs> because it it would be in these cards. So I use the cards as a way to uh, attune myself to what I would call the synchronicities of what's forthcoming. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to um, uh, Conjurman Ali, and he's uh, going to give you some uh, root work. Thank Thanks, you. Ms. Kett. Uh, you've got some, some fantastic uh, readings here. I'm going to give you some root work that is pretty straightforward, but really great for uh, finding a, a place, for settling down, for bringing blessings. Um, I'm kind of turning this situation around. First, congratulations on getting into uh, Yale uh, Divinity School. That's very exciting. It's a wonderful opportunity. Um, so that's fantastic. Take the blessings as they come. Those are great. And what I want you to do is uh, work with uh, what I'm going to give you is a kind of alteration uh, or kind of a modification on an older uh, Jewish uh, Talmudic uh, spell. 
it's a psalm working with the psalms it comes out of a medieval tradition um, a magical religious tradition that was very popular in medieval Europe um, and it was eventually adopted uh, by by Christians as well so uh, this should be very familiar for someone who's kind of working on the intersection of, of religion, faith and, and magic um, so uh, it's a little bit uh, altered but it works wonderfully I've done it myself and I've worked for clients what you want to do is you want to go to uh, whatever city that you're interested in, whatever place you want to live in, I want you to go to its city center. Now, this is easier done on the East Coast than the West Coast. The West Coast does not always have city centers. They may have like a civic center or something like that. Um, but, for example, Southern California is built very deliberately without any type of real city center. The East Coast, it is a little bit easier to do so. Connecticut or the areas that you are in should have a city center. If you don't know what the city center is or you can't locate one, the city is designed without it, then either locate the major monument of that city or go to the civic center, right, wherever people, get, wherever people will go to gather. That is the heart of the city. You're going to get some dirt from there, you're going to leave three coins, and you're going to be invoking the spirit of that city to become favorable to you. As you gather the dirt, you're going to call out city of so and so. So let's say you live in, uh, you know, some, you know, New York, just because it's such a generic city, right? The city of New York. I call out to you. I ask that you accept me. Um, I ask that you bring, welcome me into your arms. Do you? Find me hearth and home, that I become your citizen and live under your aegis, right? So you gather the, the, the dirt, and you're going to take it back to your wherever your place is uh, where you can do this work. Set up a map of the city that you're interested in, where you want to live. It could be uh, 15 square feet, 15 square miles, or whatever size the city is. You're going to get that map. You're going to let mix the dirt with road opening powders. You're going to place those powders in a crossroads on that map. Then you're going to take a piece of paper and you are going to write Psalm 28 on one side. Psalm 28 is a very powerful psalm that deals with uh, silence and gossip, reconciling enemies, but also does a fantastic job of blessing home and hearth. It's a petition to find peaceful home. Okay, you're going to write that on one side. On the other side, you are going to write your petition. This can just be a list of qual qualities you're looking for in a home. Uh, close to school, uh, affordable, uh, beautiful kitchen, place for, for pets, whatever it is, right? You're going to write that out. Get yourself nutmeg, and you are going to burn some of that nutmeg on incense. You can use charcoal. Nutmeg is used traditionally with Psalm 28, medieval Jewish tradition. You're going to smoke the uh, petition paper in the incense as a sort of burnt offering. You're going to call out to God. Once you've smoked it, you're going to fold it up, place it in the center of the crossroad that you've created, and place on it a candle holder. Get yourself a white candle, inscribe your name on it, anoint it with attraction oil, and set it and light it. Pray over this and let it all burn down. Do this for a period of seven days. On the seventh day, you are going to take that folded piece of paper and place it in your right shoe so that wherever you step, every step will take you one step closer to finding that petition, to finding that perfect location for you, for being able to, to move and, and afford it and so on and so forth. You can continue to light candles once a week 
on the setup while you keep the petition in your shoe until you find your location. That's my spell recommendation. I think it's pretty straightforward um, and useful in a situation like yours. Let's see if Ms. Cat and Ms. Alvira have anything to add, any alterations, or any recommendations based off of the readings that they have given. Well, I'm going to add one little thing, and this is um, what he prescribed is absolutely perfect, very traditional. If there are several places that you might want to go see and look at, go to Google Street View and print out a little picture of them, right, and put them on the map, right? You know, so this house, this house, whatever the, the front door of the house looks like. But also have some cedar wood or cedar wood oil. And when you go oh, to look yeah. at the house, if you like that house, put some cedarwood oil on your hand. Just, you know, have a little bit of your pocket. Just put a little cedarwood oil on your hand and um, dress the doorknobs as you go in and go through the house and declare under your breath that this house will be mine. Cedarwood is uh, the tall, you know, this this all comes out of the Bible. Tall cedars of Lebanon, the building of Solomon's temple. You declare cedar. It's the home. It's the place. It's the roof beam. And, uh, and that is used a lot. And another thing that people sometimes will do is go back at night and drive nails down into the property if they want to make sure that they're the one who gets that property. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you can also gather a little bit of the dirt from that property to mix with the other dirt that you have on your altar. But I love the cedar. That I had really great addition. Uh, Miss Elvira, do you have any anything to, to add? I'm awestruck. I'm just like, whoa. Um, I think that you both have given some really incredible information. I probably will veer a little bit, and, you know, my sense is, is that working with Archangel Uriel, who is the Archangel of the Earth Kingdom, and asking for guidance at, when you call on and work with the Psalms, I think would be the only addition. It's just sort of an added oomph, but everything else everybody has said is, is perfect, really. Okay, I'm going to throw in one more because no one else mentioned it. Another thing people do is go and urinate on the property to claim it. Mm. Be careful. That's be careful true. You <laughs> it's the year of the dog. I mean, it is worthwhile to work with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was muted, so you couldn't hear me laughing, but that is a fantastic suggestion. The, the whole point of, of both whether nailing down urinating, is that once you've found the place, it's to possess it, so to speak. But thank you for calling in. Thank you for trusting us with your situation. Do call us back and let us know how things go. Uh, we're going to take a quick break with Papa Newton and then move on to our next caller. Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of missionary independent spiritual churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next call. And our next client is calling in uh, from area code 774 in Massachusetts. Uh, This is Divine Ascension. Divine Ascension, are you there? I am here. 
Welcome back to the show. I see that you called us back in February, and conditions on that situation has changed, which is wonderful to hear. Uh, but on this particular situation, you're calling us today. You have not had any readings with Ms. Kat Contraband or any other readers and root workers. Is that correct? Correct. Thank you. And uh, I did have to adjust uh, your your description for on-air readability. And we have, a woman has been stalking me and terrorizing me for years, at first anonymously, and is now in a relationship with my son's father. I've been trying to cope, but my true wish is for her to be out of the lives of me and mine. Is there anything I can do to keep her out of our lives forever? Turning back to you, uh, Councilman Ali. Thanks, uh, Papa Newt. Uh, you have a very difficult situation. Let's see um, if we can uh, get down to the bottom of it. I'm going to be doing your uh, first reading for you, and then we're going to have uh, Miss Cat do your second reading, and Miss Elvira is going to give you some root work recommendations. But before I do the reading, I just wanted to ask a couple clarifying questions. Uh, first and foremost, you say that this person has been terrorizing you for a while, even before they were with your uh, the father of your child. How did you know them? Were they a former friend? or? So um, this started a couple years ago. She called me back in 2014. Um, uh-huh. It was right after my son had turned six months old, and she called me and apologized to me profusely told me that she told me that her name was Danielle and mm-hmm. then she hung up without any explanation, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So then soon after that, um and mind you, um prior to that I had we, we look, I, I'm I, I just have to cut you off real quickly because we don't have a lot of time. Okay. So just try to see if you can No, it's all right. It's perfectly fine. We just want to make sure we can get to your reading. So just answer me real quickly. Was she a former friend or what was the connection that you had with her in the past? Um, she met him at gotcha. some sort of friends gathering. I don't know. Gotcha. So they knew each other, met each other somehow. She apologized to you. Now she's with your uh, the father of your child. How old is your baby now? Four. Four years old. Okay. And what is your sign of the zodiac? Taurus. Taurus. Um, and what is his sign of the zodiac? Uh, Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Okay, well. Do you know her sign by chance? Uh, She's an Aquarius, I believe. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, just from a purely astrological point of view, let me point this out. Um, Tauruses, loyal, wonderful, wonderful signs. Obviously, I'm biased being a Taurus myself. Um, I think they're fantastic. The only problem with a Taurus is that a Taurus is often loyal to a fault. That doesn't always work well with someone like a Sagittarius who tends to wander. Now, that's nothing wrong against the Sagittarius. They're wonderful, wonderful signs. But they do wander. That is part of, of who they are. Miss um, uh, Kat is asking what the sign was. It was uh, Sagittarius, if I, if I heard correctly. Mm. Um, so Sagittarius and Taurus are not always, yeah, they're, it's very tough, the two of them are not a, a, good, a good combo there. Um, and Tauruses also tend to hold on to things longer uh, than need be. But let's take a look and see what the, the figures have to say. I've actually pulled a geomantic um, chart and to see what the chances of, of reconciliation is or dealing with this person. Um, you are up against uh, a real tough enemy. 
We have Populus in the first house representing you. Populus is a figure that is very weak. It is a lunar figure. It means that you are don't have a lot of power here and that you are beset by forces, social forces, spiritual forces, that you are a person who is not in a particularly strong position to defeat someone else. So this is often unusual. Taurus is a strong, sturdy sign, and you are the mother of his child. All of these should technically, on paper, give you an advantage, but it, I don't see it here. And instead, when we look to the seventh house, the seventh house is their relationship and what they're up to. We see uh, Rubius. Rubius is the cup overturned. Um, this, this situation is soured against you. This woman has a lot of influence. She is a force of chaos and a force of, um, uh, I am not violence per se, but really chaotic energy and ag- aggression yeah. is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, she has a lot. She has a lot of aggression there and a lot of power, and she's able to direct that towards you. And it is very poisonous. It's very toxic. Um, this is a, yeah. a very martial figure. Um, this this is making sense to you. Yeah, <laughs> she's. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have maybe thirty social media accounts blocked because she just keeps oh, wow. making them. And she won't okay, the, leave me alone. Oh dear, I'm so sorry to hear that. And now the reason, uh, I, and this kind of t- takes a little bit away from what I was about to say because I was going to brilliantly protect that she was attacking me socially, um, but you've already said it. So, and the reason yeah. I'm going to say that is because in the seventh house, Rubius passes to the 11th house, which is the house of associates and friends, and then passes to the 5th house, which is of parties, social situations, and uh, rural social media. Um, so that that figure passing and being in all three of those houses tells us it's a person who is attacking you socially, right, who has the ability to harass and bother you. You are going to yeah. want to work with a root worker to really help you in a situation like this. There are things you can do to turn this around because when I look at the uh, final kind of outcome, which is the judge, we have Fortuna Minor, which means you can have victory. It's not going to be victory that is enduring. You're going to have to refresh. So in other words, you're not going to be able to light a candle and she's going to go away. Instead, what I see is you're going to be able to have the victory of making her back off, but then you're going to have to renew whatever work it is that you've done in order to keep her away so that it is an ongoing situation with her. It's not one of those cases where you do a freezer work or you do a candle or something and that's it. It's done. You're all good to go. But rather, you'll be able to make her go away for a few months and then she'll rear her ugly head and you're going to give her another whack like a -a whack-a-mole and then that make her back away again. And that's kind of the cycle that I see going on with her. Um, I do see that that you're going to be facing an increased series of attacks um, in about two to maybe three months. So be aware of that, um, that it's going to be, uh, again, because it passes into the 11th and the 5th house, going to be an attack through social circles, through gossip, through rumor, through social media, through reputation, um, and really trying to bring all that kind of aggression that we saw in Rubius to bear against you. The idea is to kind of drive you nuts and put you in this kind of weakened position in populace uh, that we saw in the first figure. So work with a root worker. You can be victorious. There is hope in this chart. This chart isn't all negative. It does tell us that you can be victorious, but that you're going to have to do an ongoing sort of work to deal with just some type of kind of uh, protective uh, reversal work that you're going to have to refresh every few months to keep her away from you and change the balance of things. That's what I see here. I'm going to 
turn this over to Ms. Albara. Just gear yourself up that there are some more attacks on the way, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel, okay? Um, may okay. I point out maybe Miss Cat is supposed to do the second oh, yes, reading? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Miss Cat, Cat is doing the second reading, and then Ms. Albara. Yeah, I was already yeah, I get okay. the end part. <laughs> sorry about that. Well, Ms. we're Cat all out of order away. today. All right. Well, I'm I'm really sorry to hear this is happening, and I'm going to read the tarot for you. So this is going to be three cards. Now, in preparation for this, because of Ali mentioning that he saw there would be future trouble, I do want to say that a tarot card reading is not the end all of everything. It's it's a it's a like a weather report, and the farther out you go, the less accurate it is in telling the future. So. What I tell folks when they want to have um, a tarot reading is this is good for three months, and you might want another reading if things, uh, you know, progress because this is going to show some of it. Okay, so I'm saying all of this partly to prepare you because the first card I have is the card of the devil, and the devil is a very bad card in that uh, it shows a man and a woman naked, um, chained with uh, chains to a rock. And the devil sits on the rock. The devil is not holding them. They are giving themselves to the devil to be chained. Um, I have a question. This lady, does she have a child with your child's father? No. Is she planning to? I, honest to God, Kat, I have been having that feeling for Mm -hmm. a few weeks now. I have that feeling that she's trying to get pregnant because she's in her 30s. And mm-hmm. she, well, yeah, I'm seeing that I'm seeing that she would like to be pregnant, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, he doesn't give a rat's ass one way or another, frankly. Um, but this card indicates that if she does get pregnant with him, she's going to end up the loser. She's going to end up tied and bound into a situation that won't be good for her. So I'm just letting you know that this card is um, shows evil intention. Um, mm-hmm. And um, in this case, the man is the source of most of the wickedness, but the woman uh, thinks she can be a little bit wicked, but she's going to be in trouble if she does get pregnant. And um, so just saying, just keep your eye out for it. She may not be fertile. She may not be able to, but she's going to try because she's got these grapes on a little tail on the little uh, lady. Okay, So she's going to try yeah. to get pregnant. Does she have any children from another marriage or another relationship? No. No, she wants it then. She wants it. So that's just a little bit of a side note here. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's her life. But I'm just saying, that may throw a little monkey wrench into your plan. The next card is the card called the Liar or the Gossip. And this is a card of someone stealing swords. And he is dressed as a sort of a street performer, juggler, whatever. He steals swords that belong to knights in armor, you know, the the kind of noble knights, but he is not a knight, and he pretends to be something he's not. And we ask, why does he do this? Well, he steals them. Perhaps he's going to pawn them for profit, but he's also stealing somebody else's glory, stealing someone else's rewards, someone else's life uh, pattern in order to pretend to be something he's not. So she is um, a person who is going to kind of be like uh, I think someone in the um in the chat room said trying to be you um you know she's trying to um live yeah. uh your life now Kutchman only said in the chat room miscarriage is likely that is true getting pregnant yeah. under the card of the devil thank you for mentioning that Ali getting pregnant under the card of oh. the devil is not a great pregnancy <laughs> and the seven of swords 
it's also could be she's going to claim pregnancy and not be pregnant. There's a lot of difficulty here with this lady, and she is a, a dishonest person, and yeah. so that's a that's a very bad card. Okay, so that's all I can say on that. And the third card, um, much like what Ali saw is not yet a solution to the problem. So this is not going to be easily undone or you're not going to have like a a quick victory and wow, it's all great because the third card is the five of wands and this shows continued conflict. Now, the conflict will become uh, a bit less. It's wands rather than swords, but it does show open conflict. So um, we will try to get you some root work here, but what we're seeing is that this situation may be darker and deeper than um, can be just dealt with with one spell. It's not going to be just a mojo I can carry and have be totally protected. And again, when I see this, seven of swords leading to the five of wands with the devil at the beginning, I'm going, you probably do need a root worker to help you. You need a coach. You need an assistant. You need someone to kind of carry you along. Okay? Now I'm going to turn this over to Elvira, and she's going to give you some root work. Okay? Thank you. Well, okay. Um, well, as I see it, I'm going to give you three things with um, to to work with. Um, but as they have said, this is to begin the process and then to put your energy into it. But also, you're going to definitely, from all of what I've heard, you will need um, a professional root worker to really start pushing that energy away and moving it so that it has that power. The first thing I want you to do is go get a beef tongue. And um, I, most of the time out here, we suggest you going to one of the uh, Mexican grocery stores because that's one of the things that they have in their meat department. I know actually a couple here that in their meat department they do have, but a beef tongue. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like you don't have to get a huge one. It's just a beef tongue. What you're going to do is you're going to take and put in the center some Tabasco sauce down the center, hot curry sauce down the center, and sprinkle red and black pepper down the center. Then what you're going to do is you're going to write your petition, and basically it's going to say, you know, may all your words burn in your mouth, may you never be heard correctly, may all things fall apart that you say that kind of thing. And um, then I want you to put it in the center, and then you're going to fold the beef tongue over, kind of like flap over, flap over, and make it a roll and use nails. Um, Or you can get the skewers that they use to put um, turkeys. In the days when we do turkeys, you use this to get like little metal skewers to flap, uh, to close the flap where you stuffed it in the 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 cave area. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to take aluminum foil, shiny side up, and place that uh, tongue on that, fold it over. You're going to place that whole thing into a, a large sandwich, a large baggie, plastic bag, Ziploc. Then you're going to take another set of aluminum foil, and you're going to fold that over that. And then you're going to take it to a cemetery. Now, you have an option here. You can either go inside and find a individual that you ask, permission from them. I tend to to follow more like the the guardians of the cemetery being the entrance guardians and find a large bush and and find it underneath, bury it underneath, put three coins with it, 
and um, a little shot glass. You don't have to put the shot glass, just the shot glass liquid of whiskey in it. And then bury it, ask that the guardians keep this spell and move the energy and keep this woman away from you. The second thing is to do a mirror spell. Two little round mirror discs that you can buy at a craft store that are about two inches in diameter. You take either um, her social media picture, take two of them, and what you do is write on the back the same thing. You are, you know, may all your, your negativity be mirrored back upon you at all times. And then you basically put it in the, with the backs together with the mirror, with the pictures facing out and the two mirror sides facing in. Push them together like a sandwich, crazy glue it, then tie it with black thread in a cross where you dab a little of the crazy glue at the center of each. Then you're going to do the same thing. You're going to put that into a small sandwich baggie, and you're going to put aluminum foil shiny side up, fold it over the sandwich baggie, and you're going to take that, and you're going to go away. You're going to go as far, you know, several, several blocks, miles away, and find some wooded area and bury it out there and leave it. And then when you come back, you're going to do a reversing candle, which is... um, to do the reversing energy and to reverse all energies that she has thrown at you back upon her and basically think of it as like cords wrapping around her to encase her. Mm. And those are the the three things that I see as a beginning. Now, you would do the the, um, reversing on a Tuesday. It's the day of Mars, and this is kind of like a war. And I would actually call in Archangel Michael. Hmm. Okay. Oh, wow. That's okay. Yeah, that's such a that's great, a lot of great really working. good work. And Archangel yeah. Michael is a good protector in all of these things, very uh-huh. much so. Uh-huh. Yeah, Archangel the, Michael, or also an ancestor, because you, you need some yeah. type of guardian here. Working with both of them, either Archangel Michael and an ancestor, to really protect yourself, is a good way to go and keep yourself. I'm sorry. Go on, Miss Kim. Oh, I was going to say if. Following the description of that flat packet mirror of the two mirrors is complicated. The the similar, a very similar spell is described in the book, The Black Folder. And um, a simple way to make them, because people would go, where do I get two flat mirrors? Is to take the mirrors out of compacts. And and those are uh, easy to obtain if you can't, you know, if you're wandering around, where do I find flat mirrors? I've even known people to take a compact and um, break off the two um, mirrored sides. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have the two mirror parts and not the other parts, and then put yeah. the person and put everything between those two mirrors and then glue them together. Okay. So there's a Our lot of ways to do that. usually have flat mirrors. You can go to like a local Michaels or something like that. Uh-huh. You can yeah. find these yeah. kind of small ones, but the compact also works. Um, but get yourself yeah. a root worker. In addition to the great, great suggestions that, that you've got here, uh, reach out to a root worker uh, who, who will fight and champion your cause because this is going to be an ongoing situation. All right, uh, we've come to the uh, end of our segment. Thank you, Lauren, for trusting us with your situation. We do wish you all the best. Hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll hear back from you and hear positive results. We're going to take a quick break for our announcement and be back with our freestyle.
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Fit and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for a free spell segment with Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California. Take it away, Miss Cat. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a very brief free spell because we are going to discuss the Hoodoo Heritage Festival and the upcoming Santa Rosa Mystic Fair. This is um, the simplest little mojo. And if you looked at the um, uh, social media advertisements for this uh, show, you'll see there was a little mojo on a black background, a little red mojo on a black background. Everybody steals that photo from me. I, I made that photo in around 1996 by putting a mojo on a scanner bed. That's before we had digital cameras. I scanned it, and I've used that mojo picture ever since. And people have stolen it and go, oh, it's public domain. Nope, that's my mojo. In fact, I still have that mojo. And this is what is in that mojo. You want a red flannel bag. You want a John the Conqueror root. You want a small um, one or what we sometimes call mojo size, which is even smaller than small. You want one silver mercury dime, and you want a $2 bill. And, folks, that's it. <laughs> you, take the, <laughs> you take the John the Conqueror root and the silver dime, and you wrap them up in the $2 bill. Now, you can write your prayer on the $2 bill for money, for power, for success, whatever you want. And you fold that thing up and um, keep them all in that $2 bill and then put the $2 bill in it with all the stuff inside of it into the mojo. You dress the mojo with nothing more than um, Jack Daniels whiskey or any kind of um, alcohol. Or you could use a perfume like John the Conqueror oil because it does have John the Conqueror root in it. But I just use straight up um, whiskey or 4711 cologne. That's it. <laughs> a simple spell. Ooh, that's great. And all right. So um, now I'm going to turn this over to somebody else who gets to tell all about the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, okay? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I'm more than happy to, to talk a little bit about it, and then please feel free to jump in at Miss Alvaro to talk a little bit about the Mystic Fair and Miss and Cat okay. as well. So the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is coming up. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, please do check it out. Uh, the link is, is in the chat room. Um, it is one of the most amazing experiences as a person who's actually attended one of these, um, uh, and I was able to be both a participant um, as well as a member of the audience. The Hoodoo Heritage Festival has is a long-running tradition of missionary independent spiritual church to bring together uh, a community of root workers, uh, teachers, and, and speakers, and students, all together to learn from one another in community, in solidarity, um, and really have a weekend full of discussions about good folk magic practices. Now, it's called the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, but you'll find more than hoodoo there as well. While you will great, great foundational uh, discussions and panels and workshops on making mojo bags, how to work candle magic. Uh, you'll also get uh, international and global 
folk magic traditions. This year, if I understand correctly, um, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival has teamed up with the Santa Rosa Mystic Fair. So it is going to be the first year um, in a long while where the festival will not be held on the grounds of Lucky Mojo and instead will be held at the same place as the Santa Rosa Mystic Fair. You will have an opportunity to see all of your favorites, people like Papa Newt, who's going to be doing a workshop on Catholic folk saints. The uh, inimitable Miss Cat herself will be there as well, as well as many other people, including Deacon Millet, who's going to be running uh, the Reader's at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So you can not only go and learn and pick up goodies and get all sorts of free goods just by uh, attending and and purchasing your ticket, but you'll also have an opportunity to get face-to-face readings with some of your favorite members of AIR. Hopefully that was a short uh, (laughs) intro to it, but please, Miss Kat and Miss Alvaro, feel free to jump in and give us more details. Well, um, lucky for us, Lucky Mojo in the chat room is letting us know here. Saturday, Patron Saints with Papa Newt, 9.30 a.m. He's going to be putting up a St. Joseph altar for the rebuilding of Santa Rosa, St. Joseph Mm -hmm. the Carpenter. The workshops are $25 each, but you get about $10 worth of goodies back in your workshop bag. Mm -hmm. Next on Saturday, Lithomancy with John St. Germain at 11 a.m. You'll get a free book, not free, but it'll be your your kickback will be your book on how to throw stones. And you will get some workshops. A book and a workshop, and all for $25, and you get some stones to throw. He's going to give you some stones. On uh, Saturday at 1 p.m., How to Make a Mojo with me. You'll get some ingredients in a little bag, and you'll be able to make a mojo, and you'll get a book called How to Make a Mojo. So you're going to the get very quite a bit book of stuff. that we've been talking about. The very book we've been talking about. Also on Saturday at 2.30, Sigil Magic with Angela Marie Horner. And this is how to use the Seals of Solomon's and the... the uh, runes, the Galdrabach, Icelandic runes, bind runes are sometimes called, to make altar pieces and um, use them in making magic where you're going to burn your candles. Also on Saturday at 4 p.m., candle magic with Mama E and Clayton James of Transcendent Candles. And you'll get a whole selection of candles in your goodie bag. We cannot light oh, wow. the candles there, but you'll be taught how to use those candles. Um, then starting again, Sunday, 9.30 a.m., it'll be Destroying Relationships, a brand-new book written by Miss Aida, but Deacon Millet will be teaching the workshop, and Deacon Millet is a well-known member of AIR, knows how to do mm-hmm. this kind of work. Everyone thinks of him as Mr. Love Specialist, but he knows how to break people up. And you'll get the book, Destroying Relationships, that's part of it, plus you'll get um, ingredients, and you will be able to make breakup products right there, and he's got some oh, surprises. Wow. Um and then um, we have Cashbox uh, Conjure with Miss Phoenix LaFay at 11 a.m. on Sunday. And that is Money Spells. And Miss Phoenix will be teaching Money Spells. You'll get the book. The book is part of your $25 admission. And you'll get some stuff and you'll be able to make some Money Spell that she's going to show you how to make and take home with you. Then we have on Sunday Working with Asian Deities with Debbie Spring at 1 p.m. And this is a... Uh, you're going to get a flyer and you're going to be able to learn how we work with um, Asian deities such as Ganesh or Buddha or Kali in hoodoo and in folk magic in general in a multicultural way. And the weekend closes on Sunday with Love Spells with Ms. Robin at 4 p.m. Oh, wow. And um, Ms. Robin is... um, 
a, a special uh, treat for us because she is the um, founder of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Her love spells are dynamic. She's going to teach you 17 different ways to do love spells. She's going to blow your mind. And if you're interested in love spells, you will come out of there with more information than you can believe. And this woman never writes a book. It's all taught. Um, and uh, uh, Lucky Mojo says the Lithomancy workshop wasn't mentioned, but yes, it, it was, was, dear. I did. I did mention it. You just missed it, hon. <laughs> what right. an amazing so I covered lineup of, of workshops and books. And, and I mean, it really is, is something you can't find anywhere else. And I'd like to add on the Mystic Fair, which is actually co-partnering with the process, mm-hmm. meaning they have brought the venue to the Heritage, uh, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, is that we will also have that where the reader's tent will be for the uh, Heritage Festival, and I know there's another tent they've set up for they're going to have. Um, I know that I won't be available to go to the festival because I'm going to be having a booth over at the Mystic Fair, but they this is a makeup one. They normally do theirs in October. It'll be this time. Mm. It's um, April 14th and 15th, Saturday and Sunday, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and it will be located at the Santa Rosa Veterans Memorial Center, which is uh, right off of Highway 12. It's across the way from the Sonoma County Fairgrounds. There's free parking, free admittance into the the, the fair, and they're going to have a series of different vendors, both products, services, um, authors. There's some authors that are going to be there with their books um, and signing and doing, you know, mini readings. Some of them are uh, very, you know, a couple of them are well-known. Susan McGowan is one of them. So hopefully we will have a lot of people coming. Wow, that is fantastic. Well, for everyone who, who's listening to the sound of my voice, get your tickets now. You don't want to miss out on this event. Thank you both for giving us the information that we needed. Uh, thank you, Miss Alvira, for jumping in and being our guest co-host. And thank you, Miss Kat, for being well, our you, guest uh, this week. It was very exciting to get a chance to talk to you. Let's have uh, Papa Newt come in and uh, give our final uh, goodbyes, and then we'll come back and say farewell. Thank you, Conjurman Ali, and thank you, Miss Elvira, for being our special co-host, and thank you, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, for being our guest this week. We will be off the air next week, as you just learned. We'll be at the uh, Hoodoo Heritage Festival and Mystic Fair in Santa Rosa, California, so come on down. But we will return on the 22nd of April with Co-Meadows of Co-Meadows.com in Auburn, Alabama, on Working the Bible. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and Miss Elvira at elvira.com in Santa Rosa, California. I'm your announcer, Papa New, joining you from papanew.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strength of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Papa New, for that rapid and very professional ending, <laughs> <laughs> and that was fantastic. Um, so thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ah, uh, y'all don't know the music as well as I do. <laughs> right. You have to end when the music ends. 
true. And there's one more verse. Ah, there's one more verse. So one last opportunity to plug the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. That's right. Don't miss out. Get your tickets right now. In fact, if you're leaving the show, leave the show. Go to the website. Buy your tickets right now. And then you can come and tell me all about it so I can live vicariously through you. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you all there. And I'm going to be spending this next week doing my apprenticeship. Yeah. See when they go, that's, you know, it's the last verse. And um, I'm going to be doing my apprenticeship with my students. And I hope to see all my students bright and early on Monday. And this is the end. Good night, folks. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night.